Good morning. Great seeing you guys out there. Feel a little nervous, but thank God. I feel at home. Um, somehow in my spirit, I just felt that I'm at home in the house of God. That's the way I felt. Let us pray. Jesus, name above all names. Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus, the one who rose from the dead and now has the keys of death and of hell. Jesus, at his name, at your name, Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. Jesus, the name at which demons and the devil tremble because they know the end is near because of what you have done on the cross of Calvary. Jesus, the one who has the power to forgive sin because of your shed blood. Jesus, the one who fights against, uh, uh, alongside of us in intercession, interceding on behalf of his people. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Let us be mindful, O oh God, this morning that we are at war. That the devil is not happy with us being in your house. The devil is not happy with us being your disciples. Let us understand, Lord, the reality of the heavenly realms. Let us understand the reality, Lord, of this spiritual warfare that has been going on since the fall. Even before the fall, oh God, when Satan tried to exalt himself against you. Let us realize that this is serious. That this means life and eternal death. Let us not take it lightly. Speak to us this morning. Remove every fear, every doubt, and every anxiety. Bring comfort and compassion to our hearts. Reassure us that you have everything under control. That you are the beginning and the end. You are the Alpha and the Omega. All authority and all power, O oh God, is in your hands. We thank you, Jesus, that we can rest in that assurance this morning. Hallelujah. Speak to us, Lord, from your word. Hallelujah. Speak to us by your spirit this morning. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. So this morning we will continue with uh, the series on Masterpiece in Progress. And just to sort of give you some form of orientation to what we are we'll be talking about I'll start off by 
trying to answer the question, why do we need the strength, the power, and the full armor of God? Then we looked at what is the role of the church in God's redemptive plan. There's a plan. There's an eternal plan that is actually in progress right now. So we need to understand our role in that as Christians, as individuals, and also as a church collectively. And then finally, if we get there, I hope we will, because this is important. What are some of the devil's strategies? He's not happy with us. And he's going to throw everything at us to prevent us from fulfilling God's plan in our lives. From fulfilling the, from the church fulfilling its mandate that God has laid out in his scriptures. We look at how we'll be able to counter this from the scriptures. God has a multi-generational redemptive plan for mankind, his creation, and also he made provision for the church to be a part of this eternal plan. This plan actually is in progress. The fact that Christ came, lived, died, and rose again. But he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. That process has started when Christ rose from the dead. And we are a part of that process. And the devil is not happy. He's not happy. He'll be pushing back. He'll be fighting against us, individually and as a church. In previous sermons in this series, Pastor Scott helped us to understand that, one, God is creating a new, single human race from every nation, people, language, and tribe. We call that the universal church. And this was made possible only through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I can't help this. I remember talking to a colleague of mine about praying at my practice. And she's of the Muslim belief. And she said to me, you can't pray in the name of Jesus. And let me tell you, I wanted to hit the roof. We need to understand the power of the name of Jesus. And don't let anyone influenced by the devil tell you that you can't speak that name. We are children of God. We are disciples of Christ. We are followers of Christ. Speak the name of Jesus boldly. It is in the name of Jesus that sins are forgiven. It is in the name of Jesus that we are standing here. The heavens and the earth are held by the power given to Jesus Christ. How can you say, do not pray? What name should I pray except the name of Jesus? 
I was angry. But then God said, you must have compassion and mercy. And show them the love of God. Even your enemies. We could go into all of that. There's only one commandment right now. The new commandment is love one another. The second thing Pastor Scott went on to talk about was through Christ, Jews and Gentiles have been reconciled. They are now become one. The hostility was removed. So no longer we have an issue between the Jews spiritually and the Gentiles or non-Jewish nations because of what Christ did. We are no longer Jews or Gentiles. We are one in Christ. Yes, there are some Jews who have not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. There is hostility in that sense. But there's a remnant even now, even today in Israel, who believe in the name and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We are one. Thirdly, he covered that ultimately God will unite the whole church and the whole creation under the leadership of Jesus Christ. It's important to understand this because the devil is totally opposed to this. Through the life of Christ, his death, his resurrection, he started the process of establishing the kingdom of God on earth. Continuing this process is what the gospel is all about. Continuing this process is what the church is all about. It is to establish the kingdom of God throughout the world. The ultimate goal, as stated before in the series, and by John Scott in his commentary on Ephesians, one father... One family, one Messiah Savior, one spirit, and one people. Here is how it looks in the future. This is what we are working towards. The process has started. We are in the battle. Started 2000, just over 2000 years ago. The church continues to grow. In all the world. The glory of God is filling all the world. We, listen, we have bad things happening. But God is still moving. And yes, we'll pray for our brothers and sisters. But God is also with them. Despite the difficulties we are going through and they are going through. But this is the ultimate goal. Revelations 5, 7 to 10. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down worshipping Jesus and sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God's persons for every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. That's what we are working. We know the story and we know how the story ends. 
Do not be afraid. Do not doubt. As Christians, you will never die spiritually. Never. And if God so wished that He should take us out of the world now, when He comes back, back there in Revelations 21, new heaven and a new earth, we will have that glorified body. And you know what it looks like? Think about Christ's transfiguration. That's what it looks like. When Christ was transfigured in the presence of Elijah and Moses, John, James, and Peter. That's what it looks like. God has been giving us a glimpse, trying to reassure us not to be fearful. Do not fear. Be fearful of those who will kill your body. Worry about the one that will take your soul. But we are in the hands of God. And the scripture said, no man, no one can pluck you from the hands of God. No one. But you can walk out. Right? You have a free will. But I just told you how I felt when I came, when I came in. I'm at home. I saw one of my fellow doctor over there. And he probably didn't realize that I'm more at home here than in the operating theater or the operating room. But it's true. This is what life is all about. It's serving Jesus Christ. This plan, this eternal plan was hidden in God for many generations and was only fully revealed after the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can go back into Ephesians which Pastor Scott covered. Why was it hidden? If you're planning, or just think about a war situation, right? The generals, they don't go about publicizing this stuff. Right? You have your strategy coming up. You know where you're going to start your attack. You keep it close to your chest. It was no different with God, I think. He wasn't ready to reveal it. It's his prerogative. He will do what he wants, when he wants. He's a good God. And we can really trust him on that. We are in a spiritual battle with God's adversaries, the devil and his demons. The devil, the enemy of our souls, wants to destroy us and our relationship with God. Leaving us spiritually or even physically dead. Unable to realize our God-given spiritual potential and fulfill our role in God's eternal plan. The devil has come down to earth with great anger and fury, the scripture said, to terrorize the earth and the sea. This is not a joke. This is serious business. Peter said, our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, stand firm in the faith, and I would say, put on the full armor of God. His roaring is only to intimidate us. Don't be intimidated. We are children of God. We are covered in Christ. The devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. We need to understand that. 
God is calling us to be a part of his plan to destroy the work of the devil. We can't do it of our own strength. We are not doing it. We are just making ourselves available so Christ can work by his Holy Spirit through us to accomplish this. Paul reminds us that this is a spiritual battle. And although we are interacting with humans daily, we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against the devil and his demons. As a side, I would like you to look at Second Peter 2 and 4. Because this was also new to me in a sense. That after Satan was thrown out of heaven with his, a third of the angels with his demons, that those angels were actually, God sent them straight to hell, and now they are there, sealed off until eternity. I didn't realize that. But that's for something on the side. The devil thought that the death of Christ would be the end of God's plan. Instead, the resurrection of Christ was the most crucial part of God's redemptive process. Thank God for his resurrection Christ now has the key of death and hell thank God for his resurrection Christ destroyed the power of death and set us free from the fear of death thank God for his resurrection all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ. Despite what you see or experience, Jesus is in control. We do not need to be afraid of the devil and his demons. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Because of what Christ accomplished through his death and resurrection, the redemptive plan of God will roll out or continue to be rolled out and culminate in the end with Christ handing over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power of the devil. Why do we need the strength, the power, and the full armor of God? Most sermons I've listened to, the emphasis is usually on putting on the full armor of God. But for me, and Tanya touched it, I mean, you, you, I haven't said a word to Tanya, but she touched it. See, she spoke about it. It said, finally, in other words, Paul is saying, after all I've said before, in all the chapters before, here is the next step, the next practical step we need to take. It's not the end. This is the rest of it. <laughs> These are the practical steps you need to take. He started out by saying, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's what Tanya said. You have to do that first. The first thing that came to my mind was David. 
Goliath was taunting them. David went over and said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine trying to exalt himself against the army of God? His bolder brother said to him, You conceited, wicked man, David, what are you doing here? This is how he addressed David, his brother. Pure cynicism. And I'm going to talk a little bit about cynicism in the church. God was speaking to David. And his brother was saying, David, you just want to show off. Your heart is wicked. You just come here just to watch and see what is happening. You know, you like the idea of killing, right? Go home. David just ignored him. If you read the scripture, you see it. First Samuel 17. Because he knew the spirit of God has witnessed with his spirit. And he's going to do what God wants him to do. Regardless. But to Tanya's point and what I was share, I'm sharing here. They gave David the armor. Right? He couldn't, he couldn't wear it. He had to take it off. And then went in the power of God. And we know the end of the story. A recruit in the army. Boot camp. I don't know much about boot camp. Do we have soldiers here? Anybody train military training? But my, my thought was, from what I heard, is you have to put on all these gears. You're not even fighting a war. And you have to go run how many miles with these gears, right? Imagine if you have a sword, right? What do you have to do? You have to practice with it, even before you get into war, right? But some of us want to just put on the armor and go say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preached about. And we know what happened to those, right? We can't do that. We need the power of God, and the way you get the, go in the strength and power of God is to practice first. David gave us a hint. He said, I've killed lions and bears. This is not new. But too many of us want to put on the full armor of God. And then say we're in a battle. We can't even wield the sword. How do you practice it? Prayer. Fasting. Going to Sunday school. <laughs> reading the scriptures. Right? Sharing in the body of Christ. Using your gifts. That's what you're doing. You're practicing. So when the troubled time come. It's like, we call it muscle memory. Right, Doc? You don't even have to think. You just do it. In the power and the strength of God. And that's exactly what David said, if you go back and read that scripture. So, the first step is to go in the power and strength of God. And you have to practice with the full armor. What is the role of the church in God's redemptive plan? First, through the power of the gospel, the Jews and Gentiles becoming one body and sharing in the promise of Christ. So this process has to continue. We have to continue to reach out to our Jewish brothers and sisters. The gospel has to continue in that sense, to remove that hostility and division. The idea is the same thing within the church. We don't want any division. Whether you be 
Asian, Jamaican, Mexican, American, those are relevant in the church, of, in the body of Christ. Culture, politics, we need to remove those and come together as one in Christ. But too many times we have politics playing, causing division with us. Too many times we have ideologies dividing us. We are one in Christ. Through the church, the wisdom of God will be made known to rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his purpose which he accomplished in Christ. So there's a declaration that will go out from us to those in the heavens, both demonic and to the angelic realm. This is what the church of God is about. It's moving forward in pushing the kingdom of God to cover the earth. In Christ, through faith in him, we may approach God now with freedom and confidence. Isn't that wonderful? That's important. In the past, we couldn't enter the Holy of Holies. Now, with freedom and confidence, he has re-established that relationship, line of communication with God the Father, as he had it back before the fall. That's what it's all about. We can come in the presence of God without fear and in full freedom. That's what the church is all about. Without the power, strength, and the full armor of God, the church will not fulfill its mandate and members of the body will not be able to fulfill their God-given potential in participating in this multi-generational, multicultural, multi-ethnic plan of the redemption of mankind and creation. We need the power and strength of God. We need to put on the full armor of God if we are going to truly engage in this plan of God. Isn't that beautiful? Unity in diversity. You guys know this, the stats already when it comes to, to that on Sundays in this country. So let's look at some of the strategies the devil tend to use on us as Christians. I thought I'd start off with pride. That's what started back in the Garden of Eden. I think that was a part of it. Eve thought that she wants to be like God. Need to know good and evil. Just like God. Adam bought into it. Scripture said, do not think yourself more highly than you ought. And remember, Satan is the father of lies and deception. He flat out said to Eve, you will not die. Can you imagine that? And Eve bought into that. But sometimes we do too. 
we need to know the word of God as a people of as a people of God and we need to stand on the truth we need to stand on the word of God here we need the belt of truth here we need the sword of the spirit the word of God as Christians we must take the study of God's words extremely seriously and it saddened my own heart that I don't study the scripture as diligently as I should but we need to know the word of God a typical example is Christ right he went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights praying and seeking God before his ministry he said the spirit of God led him into the wilderness to be tempted and Satan came and tempted him you're hungry turn bread into uh, stone into bread if you think you're the if you believe you're the son of God trying to introduce doubt in Christ's mind am I really the son of God plus he was hungry do not let the devil put doubt in your mind started a similar thing with Eve you sure that's what God said this is what he said do not doubt and why would you doubt because you do not know the word of God the truth of God we have to know it and we have to stand on it we have to believe in it we have to believe in what Christ did on the cross if you are the son of God then you know cast yourself down off this temple what Christ did it is written every time he said it it is written because he's coming from the word of God that's the sword of the spirit you're attacking the devil every time we need to know the word of God and Christ has set out that example for us facts are the foundation of true knowledge or truth our faith must be based on true a true knowledge of Christ so this is the new thing now, eh? Post-truth. This thing drives me nuts. It appeals to emotion and personal belief, takes precedence over objective facts. And I know, if you don't think about this, if you don't think about a politician, then something is wrong. And I'm not, only t- I'm not talking about Trump, just politicians. If you don't think about advertising or advertisement, it's funny. What is post-truth? Is there something like that? Isn't that crazy that we normalize something that is lie and deception? That's my take. And somebody can come and rebuke me afterward. But they are not putting a word to it. Post-truth. And then it sounds so sophisticated as if we're intelligent, right? And when I come out and tell you guys, you know, we're now in the post-truth era. He said, oh my God, he's smart. (laughs) Oh, he has it covered. What an intellectually wonderful guy. Then the pride starts to build up, right? You're setting up yourself for a fall. Stand on the word of God. We should be diminishing. Christ should be increasing. 
Forget this post-truth nonsense. We need to stand on the word of God. The battle within. Fear and doubt. It, it, Peter went through that. Waffly. Time. And I'm not knocking Peter. We are just like Peter. Right? We all know Peter. Cringe and cry that, oh my, I don't know him. Or when he was with the, eating with the Gentiles. And then James sent down some guys from Jerusalem. And Peter just said, hmm, not eating with any Gentiles. These guys from, from Jerusalem are here. And you know what? They're going to say, this is not right. And of course, his buddy Paul said, listen man, you're an hypocrite. You're denying the gospel of Christ. That's what Paul said to him. The gospel of Christ said there are no Jews, no Gentiles. Why are you pulling back? But hear the grace of God in all of this. Hear the grace of God in all of this. And what we should do for each other. Jesus Christ still used Peter as the leader of the church. Isn't that beautiful? So when you and I make mistakes. And we're genuinely trying to seek after God. He's going to restore us. Because he's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. He's an understanding God. And when I look at that, I say, oh God, I thank you. Peter became a solid rock in the church. Despite his weaknesses. And it's the same for me, the same for you. Don't let your weaknesses pull you out. Keep moving forward in God. Trust in his strength. Trust in his power. You don't have to be bright. You don't have to have degrees. You just need to have faith in Jesus Christ. You just need to accept him as your Lord and as your Savior. The other thing that has developed in, this, in our society, dealing with knowledge and experience. You know, as we get more experience, we live longer. We, we tend to hear these politicians. We tend to listen to these ads. In church, we have seen programs come and go. Right, Eric? We are around long time, right? And someone, some young whippersnapper walk in the church and go, I think God wants us to do this. They go, yeah, here we go again. I know where this is going to end. This is going to end badly. <laughs> it has happened before. Cynicism. We saw it with, 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 with David, right? What did the brother say? Here he comes, conceited. Here he comes, only thinking about himself. This is going to end badly. Cynicism robs us of hope and faith. We have to start each, each day afresh. Each day new. He said his, his, his blessings are new every morning. He renews us every day. You start each day from zero and you keep pressing into Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Your sins are forgiven and you start fresh. I love that. So when it comes to doubt and fear, we need that helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit.
we need to make sure that it fits, this, the helmet fits properly, so we can guard our minds. We need the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith to battle against cynicism. And so allow fresh ideas from Christ to blossom in our midst. And to continue moving this eternal plan of God forward. Discernment and humility are critical to combating cynicism. Prayer and fasting. Extremely important to access the strength and power of God. For the Christian, there is no such thing as fasting without prayer. Let me say that again. For the Christian, there is no such thing as fasting without prayer. Since we are always praying, or we should be, we should always be talking to God. Okay. So if someone is talking to you, probably you're not talking to God right there, right? So I'm not thinking, oh, hold on, let me talk to God, right? But your attitude of art is always tuning in to God, communing with God. I remember studying fasting. And one of the things I used to pride myself on is that I am not going to eat anything. All I'm going to do is drink water throughout whatever time I'm fasting. This is how we fast. <laughs> I see Amy smiling up there. This is how we fast. And then when I look at Daniel, oh my gosh. When Daniel fasted and got the revelation, it was a partial fast. So clearly it's not a fast. It's the attitude of heart. It's being humble before God. And right there, God said to me, forget this thing about absolute fast. Yes, it's good when I tell you to do it. But don't, this partial fast. And a brother of mine walked up to me and we talked about it. After the Lord spoke to me and I said to him, man, and he knows who he is. He's here in the church, right? I said, man, the Lord has just showed me that this thing is powerful. This thing is powerful. All Daniel said, no wine, no meat, but stick in the bland stuff and just seek the Lord. For... 21 days, Daniel was in mourning. This is what they call travailing in prayer. We need to get there. We don't have a clue. Christ was in the garden of Gethsemane. Three times he had to go back to the disciples and say, wake up and pray with me. He was mourning. Sweat was coming, looking almost like blood. Or some people said, well, it's blood. Elijah, when he prayed for rain, He was travailing. Seven times. Seven times he said to his servant, go up and look to see if there's rain coming. Yeah, but what happened to us? We pray one time, people don't get healing, we tell God off. God, you don't know what he's doing. There's no God. I just pray once, and you know what? It's not going to happen. We need to stop that nonsense. And we need to know the scriptures. Sometimes you have to pray for years and people have to testify for the souls of their friends, their neighbors, their whatever. You might even die and don't see it come to pass. It doesn't matter. Be obedient. I'm praying for the day when we'll travail, learn to travail in prayer as individual and as a church. November 22nd to the 24th. This is our opportunity to pray and fast as a church. I'm going to challenge all of us, myself included, 
three days of fasting. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Press into God. Figure out what He wants you to do as individuals to be a part of this global plan. Figure out with God, seek His face and say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this church, this local congregation? What do you want me to do in this community? That's what I would like to see happen. We're going to pray for revival. Revival comes through prayer and fasting and travailing and interceding all kinds and all manner of prayers. In the unsealed world, when you pray, Daniel went for 21 days and they are in the heavenlies, satanic demons, the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece. The prince of Persia opposed the angel of God for 21 days. Michael, the angel of God, who protect the people of Israel, realized that Daniel is not going to get his prayer on time. And you know what Michael did? Go up there and just spank that Persian prince. And got the, um, David's, um, Daniel's message to him. Yes. Michael actually went up the archangel Michael and helped the angel of God. That's what is happening even now. I don't know why we think there is a spiritual battle. And whether we believe it or not, it is there and it is going on. And we need to pray God to open our eyes so that we can tune into it and understand it. There's no need to be fearful. God is in you. God is with you. God is around you. We just sang that. And in closing, think about the, uh, what we talk about, the, the um, physical manifestation. That's another strategy. Jesus, if you remember, this man, two men were possessed with demons. And they were violent. Nobody could walk by and I've just alluded to the sons of Stevens, right? Who went to talk about Jesus in the name of Jesus that Paul preached about, trying to, to cast out demons. So demons can influence people's minds. They can manipulate you. They can control you. These are some of the, the, the strategies that they ever used to get back at the people of God or to wrestle with the, the people of God. Violence, anger, hatred, malice, misunderstanding. That's a big thing in the church. Misunderstanding. We need to learn to communicate clearly. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So important to tackle these actual full-blown manifestation, demonic manifestation. This is not something you play around with. And that's why I alluded to the whole idea of practicing. It is there. No need to fear. It's the same way if you, if you meet someone who is an atheist or whatever, and they're schooled into their ideology. If you don't know your word, you can't face them either. So I don't want you to think that, oh, it's only demons I'm talking about. I'm talking in general. You must learn, we, we should all learn to defend our faith. But every time we touch demons, we go, ooh, when you talk about demons. You know what? They're there. But you know, they're not a big deal. And it should not be a big deal. 
We just need to be aware and keep moving on things that God wants us to do. So I want to conclude by saying, with the strength, power, and the armor of God, the church can fulfill its mandate. And members of the body will be able to fulfill their God-given potential in participating in God's glorious plan of redemption for mankind and his creation. Are you participating in God's global plan? Do you want to participate in God's global plan? We know this, the devil knows this, and his demons know this. The end will come when Christ hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power of the devil. Amen.